0: Today's episode highlights include why the German language isn't so awful and what you can do with a German degree, what German-American exchange programs are behind the acronyms GAP and CBYX, Germans, welcoming, well-informed, and eco-friendly, and the trial recommendations for today are Goslar, Regensburg, and Rügen. Plus, we hear about Vienna, not in Germany, but rich in Germanic history, culture, and language. My name is Hani Geist. Welcome to Coffee Connections. Today's Coffee Connection is Daniel Villanueva, CBYX Program Director and after a rocky start with German initially, a Germanophile since high school. Have a listen.
1: My name is Daniel Villanueva and I am currently the Program Director for the Congress Bundestag Youth Exchange in New York City. Congress Bundestag is a program that's been around since 1983. We do the Congress-Bundestag Youth Exchange for Young Professionals, so we focus our efforts on college graduates, university graduates, and students who are in trade technical fields. That pays for the German government, and the American Congress have uh, co-sponsored this since 1983 to send 75 Americans over to Germany every year and 75 Germans to America every year. And I have been part of the program unofficially since 1999, now officially directing the program out of New York or the American side of the exchange.
2: To me, since I know you a little bit, it, it seems like your career came full circle with your own experience and now being the director of the CBYX program.
1: Yes, in, in a way you could say that that's true. Um, the ironic thing is, and this is something that I have I even mentioned during my job interview was that I applied for the Congress Bundestag Youth Exchange Program in 1995 and actually was rejected. I, I was not uh, chosen as one of the participants. So it, it is in a sense full circle and it's nice to be here in a role that uh, that I never ever thought I would get. For me, it really is a dream job.
2: Tell me a little bit about your German connection and how you found out about everything and and, What's your experience with Germany is?
1: Well, everything that has happened with Germany has really been central to my kind of life and career since high school, but it all started out completely randomly. I uh, was a freshman high school student uh, in my hometown, Glendora, California, just outside of LA, and I wanted to study uh, the French language, actually, in high school. I was looking forward to taking French classes. Um, my father is Mexican and my mother is Anglo-American, but I didn't want to speak Spanish for, or learn Spanish for whatever reason. I wanted to learn French, but because my last name starts with a V, I was one of the last people that got to choose elective classes as a freshman in high school. And so the only foreign language left for me to learn by the time it came to my turn to pick was either Spanish, which I said, OK, someday I can learn it. Side note, never did, um, but I really want to take something else, so I'll take, uh, I'll take German. I'll try it out. And honestly, that first year was just terrible. I hated the language. I couldn't understand it. I couldn't wrap my brain around it, really. And I was just waiting for me to be a sophomore so that I could put myself a little bit further ahead in the line to, to pick courses. But as things almost always happen, um, obviously fate interceded. And what happened in my case was that we hosted a German student my sophomore year with the German-American Partnership Program. So GAP was the program that really started my German interests. After we hosted her for a few weeks in our home, I went back the following year to visit her home in Goslar and be hosted by her host parents. And then after that, decided to do it another year after that with another host Huff's family And so uh, in high school, went over to two high school exchanges with the German-American Partnership Program. After that, got to college, and we needed uh, two foreign languages to graduate in my major that I majored in. And so I took Russian, tried to learn Russian. But then I thought I'd go ahead and take German because, you know, I'd learned a little bit of it in high school. I'd been to Germany. Why not? But I really didn't think I would do anything with it later on. But Again, fate interceded. I started college in 1987, and in 1989, of course, the Berlin Wall fell. And so suddenly, for someone like me who really didn't know what they were going to do after graduation, German government had put all sorts of money into scholarships and fellowships, and there were also private foundations that were there. In those days, lots of them in order to have Americans study abroad in Germany or research abroad in Germany. So after I graduated college, I spent two years in Germany with the Konrad Adenauer Foundation studying in the Free Youth University of Berlin. And um, the short version after that was that I got hooked. I could not, you know, I I started to really enjoy being in Germany, loving German culture, the language, the people, etc., and uh, kind of at that point made my decision that my career would be in some way involved in German. After a few years of being in Germany, I uh, came back to the States, got my master's and PhD in German, and then became a German professor in uh, Las Vegas at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. I was a German professor for uh, 12 years and also in the honors college at UNLV. And that transferred into another job up in Reno at the University of Nevada, where I was also then uh, involved in German and honors. And since then, after that, about 20 years in Nevada as an educator with German, with honors, student exchange programs, college coordinator for the Congress Bundestag program, uh, ended up here in New York. So that's kind of the short version
2: we do actually have more in common than i thought initially looking up a little bit more as for preparation for this interview i am also an alumna from the free university of berlin so i'm actually also attended one class at the otto zu institute and i know you studied there as well yes i had that it was two years
1: at the otto zu institute which for an american right after the wall falling and in- An American kind of typically with an American college education was certainly uh, mind blowing graffiti on the walls and a lot of really radical, both conservative and liberal radical people there and students and just kind of the atmosphere right after the wall fell was, was quite amazing.
2: I know in, in Berlin, I, I remember taking my husband to Berlin and he was just blown away by all the graffiti everywhere. And of course, growing up in Berlin, I've, th- that's what I grew up with. It, I didn't like it, but it was just part of the Berlin landscape. Before you went to Germany for the first time, you said initially you didn't really like German and, and learning German. What kind of expectations did you have, especially since you said the first experience with someone from Germany was in the United States, where you hosted a German student? I think, first of all, as regards to that,
1: that, I, I didn't really have any kind of positive or negative expectations of the culture or the language or anything. I just kind of Figured I would sit through it for a year and decide, you know, after that to to move on. So I really didn't come in with anything negative or positive. I just kind of like, in my mind, I just liked French better. But of course, that that changed. But um, one of the reasons I think I really didn't want to take German was because our high school teacher was a very, very strict teacher, was known far and wide and a veteran of many, many years teaching at our high school, um, both German and French. And there's a funny story about her because um, what would happen is, of course, in class, we had to call her Frau Rogera or Miss Rogera. And it was really interesting because um, the French students that she taught also called her Frau because she was so stern. They didn't call her Madame <laughs> at all. So um, I think one of the reasons, hearing her, hearing her reputation, that was probably one of the reasons I might have been less inclined to take German. Um, and also then in class, uh, she was quite stern. But I have to thank her for giving me such a good background in the German grammar particularly because she was that was her thing and we were definitely able to fall back on that whenever we were in Germany with the GAP program and forgot this or that verb or how to conjugate this or that phrase.
2: When you were then in Germany for the first time, do you remember the first impressions that you had being in Germany and around Germans and just in a completely different culture? Well, it's really interesting because I know that a lot of people say that sometimes their first impression, and a lot
1: of my students have said this too, a lot of their first impressions of Germans are that they're very cold or that they're hard to get to know, or that there's some sort of non-linguistic communication barrier, whether it's, you know, body language or whatever else, but I never experienced that. And it's possibly because I was so young and possibly because I was in a host family whose job it was to welcome me or whose job it was to make their host son feel comfortable so i actually from the start found germans to be very very friendly to be interested in america to be very patient with me because i hardly had spoken any german at that time and was still only in my second year of learning german so i found that i found them very friendly the city itself when i was in goslar i did kind of expect to see mostly you know the half timbered houses and gothic cathedrals and cobblestone streets and architecture of the Middle Ages and all that sort of thing. And what was really cool about Goslar was that, yes, there was a lot of that there. It has a very well-preserved central part of town and town walls and very thick uh, town towers that guard those walls and all of that. And looks very, very medieval and kind of the romantic German aspect. But Goslar also had outside of those walls kind of quote unquote normal, typical American looking houses Um, It also had a couple of factories. One of the factories was a chemical factory where my host father worked. So you also had modern industry sitting literally next to this this really ancient city. So for me, the expectation was positively met in that there was a lot of, or that there were a lot of nice old buildings to look at and old architecture, Um, but also a bit surprising because Germany was, quote unquote, so modern. You know, not everybody was using coal to heat their houses or, you know, having just one small fire at night to cook their dinners, or we weren't living ourselves in a half-timbered house. We were actually living in factory housing, which is somewhat Spartan. So in that respect, I mean, that was a little bit of a surprise.
2: You work a lot with young students. You're still advising them, and you still probably know how you felt when you went to Germany for the first time. What is it that you tell your students, helping them to prepare, going to Germany? a couple of different things. The first thing that I always tell
1: them is, it may not be true in your particular case or with everyone you meet, but in general, the average German of whatever age probably knows as much or more about the political and social situation in the United States as as you do. And so they will talk to you and probably ask you very specific questions about politics, about culture, about television, about films, you know, that they're very knowledgeable about your country in ways that you might not think. And that's not just because of recent political situations or because of anything along those lines. It's just that because Germany and America since the war have been such close allies and cultural and working culturally together and all of that, Germans have a wide access to American cultural expressions and know a lot about American history. And so that's one thing that that an American going abroad for the first time might be surprised by. The other thing that, and particularly I tell this to my German students, the other thing that students will find surprising or people going to Germany for the first time will find surprising is that even if you try out just a little German, that you might know. You may not be as fluent in German as the Germans are in English, but, you know, that is a great way to build trust and unlike perhaps other countries, other cultures, other languages, just trying to practice the little German that you know or the German phrases that you've learned the first time there, that will, that will go a long way into uh, building friendships and that sort of thing. And, and Germans typically will really welcome your attempts to speak their language.
2: Yeah, that's true. Because it's not just the language, right? It's also you show that you have interest in the culture and really immersing yourself in the German culture. Because of course, a lot of a lot of Germans these days they do speak English, but it's just another layer of culture that you understand once you speak German that you otherwise wouldn't wouldn't necessarily get.
1: Exactly, and I think that that's something that if you're going to germany for the first time it's it's really important to know because that is one area where the german language as i've learned to love it and as i've gotten to know it better over the decades the german language is so expressive and so rich and so vibrant in so many different ways and has so many words for areas where english would maybe just have one word and each of those words that english only has one word for has nuances to it that are so rich that it really is important to try to learn as much German as you can while there because you will get so much more out of your exchanges in German or in English.
2: I'm interested because the CBYX program is is a really important program for mutual understanding and for, for, for students going to Germany and for Germans going to the United States really being ambassadors for their own country. And I know that the students after the the program ends, they will actually meet, right? Can you tell me a little bit more about the goal of the program and really what it does for mutual understanding and students learning more about the other country?
1: Definitely. And and that is one of the things that I really love about the Congress-Bundestag Youth Exchange for Young Professionals. That really is unique, um, both in terms of bilateral relations between one country and another, and in terms of other German-American exchange programs. We have so many different dimensions to it. You spend a year abroad, and you not only intern at a firm in your area of expertise while you're in Germany, but you also live with a host family. You also have a semester at a German university or technical college, and you also have several months of language school. So you're encountering the culture linguistically, professionally, personally as someone with a homestay, and you're also engaging in service projects and other sorts of community-based activities wherever you're located. Also, we place all 75 of our students that go abroad in different cities from big cities like Berlin and Munich and Hamburg to very, very small cities, both in East and West Germany. And so you could end up with a completely urban experience in one of Germany's metropolises, or you could have just as equally fulfilling a time in a village with maybe 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people. So you're really encountering the culture, language, and work habits of the Germans on a daily basis. So those are just kind of the, in some senses, the perfect conditions for a cultural exchange. One of the other things that's really important is, of course, the fact that you are going to have opportunities to travel throughout Germany and to go to various seminars put on by the Congress Bundestag Youth Exchange Program so that you get to know Germany on a political level as well. So there's so many different dimensions to it where one could contribute to cultural exchange.
2: So we're having this conversation right before you're heading out next week for the interviews for the CBYX program. What are, if if someone listening would also be interested maybe in going him or herself, or maybe if there's someone who has a daughter or son who might be interested, can you talk a little bit about what kind of student you're looking for? I know that the main requirement is you have to be between 18 and 24 and you have to have a high school diploma, but what kind of other characteristics are you looking for in successful candidates?
1: We are looking for all 75 candidates taken together should represent the best and most diverse aspects of the United States. So we're looking for candidates who, as you said, are no older than 24 and have a high school diploma. Um, But we're looking for people who are good ambassadors abroad and can represent whatever parts of America or the United States they have grown up in can represent those the best. So we don't want to send over 75 students who all did one course of study at the university or all learned the same trade or are all the same gender or come all from the same state or even the same region of the United States. We're looking ideally for several candidates from all 50 states. We're looking for people well within those age ranges that you mentioned. So again, not everybody just out of high school and not everybody just a couple years after graduating college, we're looking for everybody in between. Um, We're looking for a wide variety of majors. We're looking for a wide variety of potential internships that one would want to have in Germany. We have already this year interviewed everyone from people who are interested in transatlantic relations and want to intern in the German parliament or in a state parliament to people who are pastry bakers and would love to see how Germans bake and what sort of things they make in those ovens. So there's all sorts of different things that we're looking for in that regard. In terms of personality or or personal background, um, we are looking for people who are open and flexible to uh, spending a year in Germany. For some people... This means you have had German heritage. For some people, this means you've been to Germany or to another country abroad before and have good experiences and and definitely want to go back abroad at some point. Um, We're looking for people who not necessarily speak the German language. We we don't require you to have had exposure to German before, but we look for people who have language aptitudes. So if you have learned other languages or if you're already bilingual Chinese-American, Hispanic American, that sort of thing. So we're looking for people that are interested in that. We are looking for people who have interest in representing their country abroad. We're looking for people who know something about the American political system and about American culture and who would not mind getting into these discussions with their host families, with their co-workers at an internship or with their fellow students at a university. And I think most importantly, we're looking for people who can demonstrate why out of all the countries in the world they want to go or out of all the jobs they would like to have once they're out in the work world, they need to start having that job preparation in Germany. Why is Germany so important for their future career or for their future role as cultural ambassador?
2: When you came back to the United States, Did you have some reverse culture shock? You said that you didn't really have a problem transitioning in Germany because you were with a host family and it seems like you had a smooth transition there, but how about when you came back?
1: Yes, uh, thinking back on it, there are a couple different things that I had a little bit of reverse culture shock on. One of them was the custom of Germans not to wear shoes in the house, to just (laughs) go around in house slippers. I was only there for three weeks, my first time in Germany, But that made such an impression on me that when I came back, I thought it was really weird that, you know, my father and mother and sister would just kind of come into the house on on the weekends with their dirty boots after having worked in the garden. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, Pat would come in and just track mud all over the place, that sort of thing. Um, And I was wondering, where are the house shoes? You know, and so for quite some time, I took some slippers that I had and just kind of wore them around the house, not to show off, not to say, hey, I was in Germany, but because somehow or other that just program that was programmed into me. Um, from those three weeks in Germany and I thought it was weird that you know my parents and my sister didn't do that for some reason. Another thing is I tried now of course I grew up in LA and I returned to LA after Germany so my first time in Germany so obviously there was only a certain amount of limits that I could do with this but in Germany of course um, my host family and, and many Germans are considerably more active and drive a lot less than do Americans And so my host sister and I would walk to school or we would take the bus on days that it rained. We'd ride bikes. We'd walk to the store, et cetera, et cetera. And these distances in Germany from their home to their school or their home to their store were no farther in Goslar than they were in Glendora, where I grew up. But we always took the car everywhere. And so for a while after I got back, my natural instinct was to walk to school or get on the bus to go to school was to you know walk to the store or walk as far as I could to other places without needing a car. And it was really, really interesting because, again, my parents kind of thought, huh, what is this? So that was another custom that I found a little bit odd. Was that, Why do I have to get in the car all the time? That was another thing.
2: <laughs> you stayed in Gosla the, the first time, and that is definitely a smaller town that probably a lot of people are not familiar with. Are there any other...
1: Sure. Um, a couple of places that I would recommend. One of them is uh, Regensburg in, in Bavaria. And the reason that I like that is it, it's a small town, but obviously for American standards, but still really important as a university town and a cultural center. And what I really like about Regensburg, in addition to just the architecture and the food and all that's there, um, is the fact that this seems to be a town that a lot of Germans go to visit as tourists, too. And I think that's really cool. And so, you know, you'll be walking around Regensburg and you'll hear a lot of different German accents and you'll see a lot of different Germans with cameras taking pictures and things, which is really cool because it's kind of interesting that it's like, yeah, you know, even Germans like to be here. So that's great. You know, Or German tourists, I should say, like to be here. So that's great. So Regensburg is one place. Um, another place uh, way up in the north is in Lügen because I love uh, just kind of the vast landscapes with hardly anybody around. If your impression of Germany is kind of a place of solitude and just kind of gray clouds as far as the eye can see, and you, and you like that sort of thing and want to be inspired by that, Lügen uh, is a wonderful place for that. So that's another place in Germany that I think is, is really, really nice to visit. And, it, and it's such a contrast between the kind of medieval cityscapes of Germany, but also uh, the industrial towns of Germany and all of that. So those are, those are really interesting places. And then one place I was thinking about, and it is not a small town, and it's not even in Germany, but it is a part of German culture in many respects, is Vienna. Um, It's it's a place that I think a lot of people um, may not necessarily think of in terms of a European or Central European visit, but I studied abroad there for six months at at university, and it was a really, in in a sense, really inspirational experience. The culture that's there, the amount of history that's there, the coffee houses, the quaint and really quirky museums. And then once, of course, you get to speak German better, the amazing dialect that is spoken there. So again, not a small town and not really an out-of-the-way place, but it's definitely a place that a lot of people from the U.S. don't necessarily think of going when they think of experiencing Germanic or Central European culture.
2: I can second that. I was uh, in, in Vienna and there was just so much to see. Also, of course, if you're interested in psychology and um, Freud's house is there and, and you can do a tour. And I remember, I think I was there for three or four days and three, four days in a row, we went to a coffee house and just had different cakes every day because they were just so good, <laughs> we had to try everything.
1: Oh, yes. And I remember uh, there's a great quote from the Austrian author, Karl Kraus who said that uh, in Berlin, the streets are paved with asphalt, in Vienna, the streets are paved with culture. And I've never forgotten that.
2: Actually, since this is my coffee connection, I'm not having coffee at the moment. I had a lot of coffee already. But since we're talking about Vienna and, and coffee houses, if we were in Germany or or in Vienna in a, at a coffee house, what would you order?
1: Oh, that is a very good question. I would order a melange, which um, I guess in regular German would be Milchkaffee, but coffee with milk in many respects. It always comes in a nice large mug, and sometimes I'll throw a little chocolate on top, chocolate sprinkles, which is really nice. As far as pastry goes, this is a bit cliche, I will admit, so be prepared for this, but I absolutely love Zachertorte. I can't get enough of that. (laughs) I know that Vienna is famous for all sorts of different kinds of pastry, but uh, just... Sitting there and ordering a menange mit einer Zachertorte is just amazing.
2: For anyone who's not familiar with that, what does that taste like or or what kind of, it's a layered cake, but how would you describe that? It's a
1: layered cake with with chocolate icing, which is amazing, and then a chocolate cake itself, and then inside raspberry filling.
2: And, you know, sometimes it has to be what's famously known because if it's just that good, then that's why it's known to everyone. So sometimes you got to go for the cliches.
1: Indeed. I do have to say, and I know this is a podcast about Germany, but it is also a podcast about coffee, is that my favorite coffee house in Vienna, I guess, closed last year, maybe a little bit before that. So I am definitely on the lookout for a new coffee house. So if you or anyone else has recommendations um, in Vienna, that would be wonderful. I, I used to go to Café Greensteider right outside the Imperial Palace in Vienna, and they unfortunately closed it. So, uh, so still on the lookout for something else now.
2: Now that you've been to Germany for a while I mean you you got your PhD in German now coming back to the United States and and talking to potentially someone who's never been to Germany and only knows Germany from history books maybe movies what would you like uh, those Americans to know about Germany sure oh
1: so much how much time do we have I guess I can distill it (laughs) down to to a couple of key points. Um, The first one is, is that, again, I stand by what I said right at the beginning, that I believe the Germans, there are exceptions, I always have to say that, but the Germans in general are very welcoming towards Americans and really want to make sure that the American visiting or the person from the U.S. visiting has a good time and experiences the culture of their region or indeed their entire country. So I have found Germans to be very helpful when one is confused or lost. So I would say that, you know, again, the average German, uh, quite, quite friendly towards the average American or the average person from the United States. So that's, that's one thing. Um, another thing, of course, is also, as I said before, that the, the average German will probably know as much, if not more, about the culture and history and politics and fill in the blank of the USA than an American might might know or might, you know, be be able to express. And so in that sense, one one should go over prepared to be a good ambassador for America in the sense that one should know about current events, one should know about the region of their of their country, because chances are a German has visited wherever it is that you come from. Um, Germans, of course, are very known for being tourists throughout the world and America And visiting America is no exception to that. You know, a German can also potentially be a tour guide of your own country. And in general, the other thing that I would mention is, is Germany is a very modern country. And so that means that one shouldn't think that one is going to a country where they can't find the services or the lifestyle or the type of either food or the type of free time activities that one finds in the United States. One certainly would be able to do that. And one certainly shouldn't be afraid of trying the new things that, you know, one might be introduced to there, but one certainly wouldn't find it as, quote unquote, foreign as they might have before. For a university student going over, and although, side note, as a German professor, I don't always recommend this, but for an uh, English-speaking student from the USA going abroad, it's also important to mention that a lot of the university degrees now in Germany, you can take classes for those almost entirely in English. You know, an American student thinking about studying in Germany for their degree certainly doesn't have to worry about the language barrier for some of their majors.
2: I realized when I when I lived in the U.S. for the first time as an au pair that maybe I didn't expect cultural differences, or maybe not as as much, and and so. I did have, at times, culture shock that was maybe even more intense because I didn't expect it as if I had gone to a completely different country. Is that something you encountered as well?
1: Definitely, definitely. That's one of those things where if I'm traveling elsewhere, and it doesn't even have to be in anywhere that might be considered quote-unquote exotic, even in other countries in Europe. For example, I, I love traveling to Ireland. But I do feel, um, and even though they speak English, and I love the Irish accent and all of that, I still do find that there isn't necessarily that, that connection that there is to Germany. I, I would imagine that if I had studied there or had been an exchange student there as long as I have with Germany, it'd be different. But, but as you say, I think in many respects, uh, other countries that I would go to, even for a guest lectureship or for even for spending more than just a few days there, still not quite the same
0: as, as that
2: you said you recently were in Germany. When you go to Germany, if you come back, what would I find in your suitcase in terms of goodies that you bring home?
1: Uh, well, for my wife, definitely Mozart Kubin, um those little lovely marzipan balls that, uh, that you get in Germany and Austria. I will, uh, I will always bring her back several, several small packages of those and they're, they're nicely insulated. So no matter what happens to the suitcase, they survive. I will bring back for myself books and newspapers because I obviously, thanks to Amazon and thanks to the internet, one can buy German books almost anywhere nowadays, and certainly in the States. But uh, but I find just going to bookstores and just going and seeing titles that I'm maybe not aware of or authors that I'd love to you know, kind of discover more about. For a bibliophile like me, a German bookstore is just amazing. So I'll bring back some German books. I will also bring back, if if I go to Austria, certainly, but if I go to Germany, some places sell it, there's a wonderful salad dressing there that's made entirely out of pumpkin seed oil. And that's something that I can occasionally get in the States, but I will bring back a little bottle or two of pumpkin seed oil because that's a wonderful salad dressing that I like and uh, that I also associate with my time studying abroad in, in Austria. So yeah, mostly, mostly foodstuff items and then items to feed the brain in terms of books.
2: So, if, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that best?
1: They could get on our website, which is cbyxinfo.org, has a uh, has a web page explaining all about the congress Bundestag Exchange Program, and of course, they could also email me, uh, D. Villanueva at culturalvistas.org.
0: You heard Coffee Connections with Daniel Villanueva, CBYX Program Director in New York City. All content is created and edited by me, Honey Geist. If you would like to get in touch, send an email to podcast at dad.org. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you at the next Coffee Break.